right? And if they're going in there asking, doing traditional discovery where they're trying to figure out what their issues are and what keeps them up at night. I mean, my goodness, if, if your salespeople ask that question, oh, do, you, do you want to be asked that question? Right. I mean, if you, it's if overdone you, by about 10 years now. <laughs> yeah. If, you, if, you've, if you've given somebody the time to come into your office and sit down and talk to you, don't you think they should know what the heck they're there for? <laughs> It's time for another episode of the Cold Star Project. I am here with Todd Hockenberry, owner of Top Line Results. You can visit his website at top-line-results.com. And he's big into industrial sales for manufacturing companies. Todd, you had an agency reach out to me, a booking agency, which I really appreciate. And we had a little back and forth and you're on. I think that uh, our audience is really going to enjoy what you have to share about your experience with um, industrial manufacturing firms and sales. So appreciate you being here. My pleasure, Jason. Thanks for having me. And um, I'm always happy to talk about manufacturing and industrial sales and marketing and anything related to growing a manufacturing business. Exactly. Well, this podcast is about the challenges of scaling businesses, so it'll fit right in. So uh, what I found is that there is a problem about scaling. Businesses have a tough time uh, doing that. Now, what, what have you found as a background to the problem here? Uh, what what is a common thing that happens about scaling that businesses stumble with? Yeah, a lot of times in our experience with B two B and kind of industrial manufacturing companies, um, there's a, a focus on the product. Right? There's typically mm. somebody's a technologist or an engineer or designer that has a product kind of a focus. So they clearly then obviously need to grow the business to kind of scale it to get where they want to go. So the disconnect in our mind or in our experience comes when they can't really connect the, the, the features, well, not necessarily the features, the, the outcome or the benefits of the product service with what's going on in somebody's real world, right? A real customer. So, so there's this kind of disconnect between um, the, 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 product or, or what they've built and what they've designed and what somebody gets from it, their, their outcomes and their goals, right? So um, we see that there's almost, and again, we'll simplify, there's almost this sense of, well, we're really smart and this is a great product and it does this. So everybody should just understand that. They should just see it, right? And they miss the kind of, we have to tell a story around it or we have to um, really connect the dots between what we think it does and what the customer thinks it does. And we should do some customer research and we should talk to them about how they use it and understand how it impacts their world. Not how we think it impacts their world, but how they see this impacting their world. And uh, I'll give you a really good example. This happened to me just recently. We were talking to a company that uh, made it, that did augmented reality for the shop floor. Hmm. And it had to do with um, like a Google Glass kind of thing and connecting with uh, for training and for really getting instructions for job you know, working on the floor. And it had to do with just really being efficient and effective and you know, keeping your quality standards and getting information quickly to people on the shop floor. And they wanted to reach out to uh, industrial and manufacturing companies in the small to medium sized space because they thought it was a reasonably priced solution that could scale and they could grow with a lot of companies. They wanted to go after that big middle of manufacturers or industrial companies or warehouses or really B2B companies. And the problem was, I understood it when they explained the technology to me, but there was no connection between, the, there was no story that said, here's how you do things now here's where you can be, right? There was no painting the picture of how to go from here to there and why I should care. 
because companies in that big space in the middle, they're busy. They're, there's a lot going on. They're resource challenged. And it's tough to get them to change and do new things. So, so uh, our advice to them and what we're working on helping them do is really tell that story in a way that's easy to understand and that connects to the future state they want to be in and why they should pay attention and do this. So that's what we see. We see, and I say all the time, um, businesses want to grow, but they don't want to change. And they, they're maybe used to growing in a certain way. You hire a rep, you hire a salesperson, you go to a trade show. And the reality is today, it's more and more about what we call inbound, which is where you create attractive content that brings people to you, tells a story, and it's from their perspective and it helps them. So I always, I, the thing I, I, people ask me, they say, well, how do you diagnose this problem? And you know, when I get in and talk to people pretty quickly, I can understand, but the first thing I actually do is I look at their website and I see how they think about communicating what they do. So you industrial manufacturing and B2B companies out there, look at your website and think about it dispassionately. Take yourself out of it if you were involved with it. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care if it's got bells and whistles. What I care about is the messaging. And in seven to 10 seconds, what do I see? Do I see something about me as the customer? Do I see something about the outcomes I'm gonna get if I work with you, how you're different? Or am I gonna see a picture of your factory, picture of your machines, or pictures of your products? where you're talking about your product, your product, your product, right? So if your website's just a warmed over digital version of your catalog, then I think you've got a problem. So that's usually where I start to see where somebody's thinking isn't right. And they're not thinking about how to communicate and connect with modern buyers who are used to being able to find information at the touch of a button or a, or a voice search, and then being able to dig in and understand the problem and research on their own and then see how it's going to impact them. And they make the decision whether there's context or interest, and then they'll reach out when they're ready, as opposed to, you know, I have this great product. You have to do this. You have to do this. And everybody just turns that off today. Mm -hmm. So that was a long way around to explain to you what I think the problem is. And the problem is, I think it's about thinking. It's about way, the way you think about how you grow your business and, and how you would then communicate and tell a story to somebody so they would be interested in working with you so you can grow your business. Okay, very clear. And I've been a copywriter for over 20 years. And I can tell you every time I've gone into a situation thinking I knew what the customer valued without asking them, I was wrong. The stuff that I thought was important about the thing is not what they thought was important. To the point where I began to wonder, am I a regular human being or not here? You know, what's going on? Uh, but it's just different things for different people. Um, in that situation that you described in your story, it probably would have been better if we think of the law of diffusion of innovation, which is this bell curve thing. Um, and people can look up Simon Sinek and find out more about that. It probably would have been better for them to go find a narrow band of early adopters and go please them, they get it, and, uh, and get success stories from them to go repeat to the fat middle of the bell curve, right? And go find those customers. I, I couldn't agree more. And, and I would say what the, that's exact advice I gave this, this company. Mm. I said, you need to create success stories, right? You need to go into the people that have done this. You need to listen to them and talk to them and understand exactly how it impacted their business, because it's probably impacting their business in ways, some which you may know, but many you don't. And you need to understand that story and then tell the story and then share that story so people can see themselves in it, right? Mm -hmm. Talk about how, how you, talk about how they adopted the technology and how they migrated to, to, to this state to the next state and why they did it and how they saw improvement. 
be honest, talk about the roadblocks or the road bumps mm-hmm. or the issues that might come up, the hurdles you're gonna have to overcome. Talk about the timeline, the cost investments, whatever has to happen. Be, tell that story in a really honest human way that's clear and transparent and not full of marketing and jargon speak stuff that, that people see through in a heartbeat. And, and um, I, I, we do a lot of what we call persona work with our clients mm-hmm. where we actually interview them and we talk to them about why they bought from the client and, and how, they, how they learned about them, how they researched, how they made the decision. We want to understand the kind of behavioral stuff. And that's a big area that I see that's missed as well, right? You have, you know, it's that we have product, we have market, let's go to market, right? And they miss that whole step of, okay, how does this target market buy? How do they consume mm-hmm. information? How do they process information? When do they make decisions? Who makes the decisions? Where do they go for information? Who are the authorities? Do they look at third-party websites to get credibility or, or feedback? Right? All these things need to be figured out and understood if you want to go to market with modern buyers today. And these are things I see missed all the time uh, in, in kind of B2B companies and industrial companies. And, and a lot of times the conversations I have with them, will start, they start like this. They'll say, we need to grow our business. What can we do? What, what kind of campaign can we run? Should we, should we do YouTube videos? Should we be on social media? Should I buy a list? Right? I mean, it, it ends up, they go right to the tactics and they go right to the, they think there's some magic pathway to, to growth and it isn't. The biggest hurdle is the way you think about your customer and how you connect with them and communicate them. That to me is the biggest hurdle for growth because when I can get them to understand that content is the connection between you and the, uh, the, the customer, the prospect, your copywriter, you get that, mm-hmm. right? It, if, you, if you understand that that content is your salesperson, is your communication tool, it's your leave behind, it's what you give them. And again, the statistics are pretty clear. Somewhere up to 70 plus percent of the buyer journey is going to be over before people want to talk to your salespeople, right? Mm-hmm. They're going to surf, they're going to self-serve online. They're going to research and evaluate online. They're going to go for third-party credibility. They're going to look at other sources. And when they're ready and they're getting closer to make a decision, they're going to call you. doesn't mean sales isn't important. Sales is extraordinarily important, but it's different than it used to be, right? You, mm-hmm. you know, think about why I'll use a car dealer example, because I, I hate my car dealer and I have, a, I have I'll, don't get me started talking about my car dealer, Jason. I'll get really, I'll start ranting. But, um, when you walk into a car dealer, what do you want that salesperson to do with you, right? Do you want them to say, hey, we have these features. I can show you all the different options. Let me show you the specs. No, you've gone through the website. You've looked at the models. You see all the color options. You know what the accessories are. You've done all that research. What would be great, what would I would love to hear from a car salesman when I walk in the door, if I even walk in the door now, because you can buy a car online, Carbon, and all those other options. What I would love to hear is, what are your goals for that car, sir? Mm-hmm. Oh. My goals for the car. Wow. Well, I buy and hold my cars for multiple years. This, I'm going to keep this one for probably 10 to 12 years. The last one I drove 250,000 miles. So I'm looking for a car that I can, uh, a combination of the vehicle and quality plus a service and maintenance program that'll keep me on the road and keep me in this car for a long time. What do you have? That's a whole different conversation right. now, right? I would love that. That's a salesperson, right? That's a modern salesperson that's going to ask that kind of question and then be able to respond and customize and create a solution that fits that particular situation, as opposed to saying, well, look over here, here's my five models, pick which one you like. I don't need you for that. I don't, I can figure it out on my own. I don't need you for that. So um, again, it's kind of a a simplified story, but if you're a car dealer out there, please call me. I'm dying to work with, I'm dying to consult with a car dealer to fix these problems. So yeah. And and it's true. It's like for years and years and years, I mean, if we get Tom Hopkins how to master the art of selling and go back to the, uh, the late 80s, early 90s, you'll, they have the 
how much money it's a it's a four grid thing how much money do you have to invest and that's their sorting tool what monthly payment can you make and then they'll sort you to the car that costs that much and fit you in and try and sell you that that's that's the way they've been doing it forever i mean some have moved to a more consultative thing but yeah uh just that question that you asked what are your goals for the car nobody has ever asked me that before in the history no of cars ever no one's ever <laughs> asked that question no. again i could i could go i could go on my my car dealers there actually is a chapter in our book uh, books called inbound organization we talk about it and uh, i i talk about it on my blog a lot because it's an ongoing story my car dealer continues to disappoint me and i keep going back to them because i just get more fodder for my my blog <laughs> <laughs> yeah very very true and and again yeah the customers don't care about features as much as you think uh, you know that they're interested in a couple things. I know I was a business development manager for a full service IT firm before I left Vancouver, like 10 years ago now, more than 10 years ago. And uh, we had a, a device that was, it did four things. It was like a content filter and a firewall and it did a couple of other things. And what I found was people bought for one of those things. That's it. They didn't buy it for all four. And it was a different thing each time. And then because of the trust level that they got with us, they'd come back a few months later and say, hey, how about, and they'd say, where would I go to get one of these other things of the four? And I'd tell them, you already own it. You already have it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because they wouldn't care at the time. I would say stuff, the feature stuff, and it would just bounce right off of them, except for the bit that they were wanting to filter in. So yeah, you go to how do people buy, a, I'm a camera nut. And, and lens nut. How, how do people go and buy cameras and lenses now? They don't go and look at an online catalog. They go find independent third-party reviewers who they trust, who they go, okay, this person has a good disclaimer at the front of their video. They say nobody's reviewed this, you know, before I uploaded it, right? These are all my opinions. I paid for this with my own money or it came in on loan or something like that, right? And, uh, and they go, okay, this person's not a paid shill for this company. I can trust what they have to say. I have experience with them. There's five or six people in tech and photography and that who I watch just about every video they put up just because they uploaded it, right? Because it's building the library of, of information that I have as a, as a buyer of these things. And it's because I trust them. And so and it's very different from this pushing features thing towards the marketplace that we've seen. So, what kind of solution have you come up with? Uh, I guess you mentioned your book, Todd. Let's, uh, yeah. let's start there. Uh, to, to help companies move from, and industrial manufacturers in particular, move from that, hey, let's talk about the fact that we've got wing nuts and it's 14 inches long and our competitors is 10 inches, you know, whatever, to this, this uh, different approach here you're talking about. Yeah, we, we, I wrote a, co-wrote uh, the book Inbound Organization with a gentleman named Dan Tyre, who's a senior VP at, uh, at HubSpot, and, mm -hmm. uh, which is a marketing automation mm -hmm. software. And it really came about because we found that we were both talking about these ideas of, that started with inbound marketing, right, where you were creating helpful content, where you were sharing it first, and you were using it to attract people, and, and you weren't interrupting them, meaning sending cold, cold emails or cold calling them, mm -hmm. um, or running ads on television programs, right? That, those are all interruptive. So it was about how to use digital tools and SEO and different platforms on social media and email to attract people to you. So the, the principles that kind of animated that movement, um, it was enabled by technology, of course, but the, the um, again, we've all been 
um, spammed and we've all been hit digitally with a poor approach, right? So that's not inbound. What we defined as inbound was something that was really customer focused and it was human. It was about people. It was about helping first before you tried to sell. It was about um, uh, measuring so you could understand what worked and what didn't. Mm -hmm. And then you would apply, you would do more of that. It was about understanding the journey that people go through so that you would create content that would educate them first if they didn't really even understand the problem. Then it would help them consider the different options they had and then it would help them make a decision. It was very, very customer oriented and, and human focused and um, really content based um, kind of an idea. And what we realized was that this experience people wanted because they enjoyed marketing like that. We like to consume marketing that's done from that perspective. Like you were talking about with the cameras, right? You enjoy watching those videos. You enjoy learning what they learn, right? You enjoy hearing from the experts and then learning, right? So it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a positive uh, approach to kind of marketing and connecting. And what we realized was that because buyers had started to really change their expectations across the entire journey, that now basically everyone in your organization need to be held to that standard. It wasn't enough that your blog was helpful. Your customer service had to be helpful, right? You're, if, you're, if you were helpful in your marketing, now your sales had to be helpful in your marketing, right? If you, you started off the process online by sharing helpful information, and then as soon as you got a salesperson on the phone, they started to pitch you, try to close you, set up a 15-minute meeting, right? Then you, you, it's not the same experience, right? Yeah. So the same thing happened with we, as we dug further and further into it, your legal department. If you, if you would impl, um, apply kind of onerous uh, terms and conditions or, or lawyer speak on a process, right? That wasn't very human. Um, accounting and, and finance cause problems for a lot of companies where they make it hard to pay them, right? We make it difficult for our customers to pay us or to understand our invoice. So what we realized was that these ideas that started in the inbound marketing world really needed to be applied across your entire organization. So that's the solution we came up with. And I had already been doing this. I'd already been kind of consulting and helping my clients understand these things um, using content in the service app, service side, for example, um, having a, a help first attitude in the sales side, not necessarily closing first. Uh, we, I've been doing this for years and, and we just basically, Dan and I just worked together to kind of outline the structure and the basic structure of the book and our solution is we're going to start with your mindset, right? We're going to deal with kind of how you think about growing your company and how you think about your customers, which um, a lot of times is kind of um, in, in, embodied in the mission of the company. So we would start there. A lot of times with companies, we'd start with a mission and try to get them to understand what their mission really was. Um, a good, funny story. I was at a, doing a workshop with a very large publication, an international publication that everybody would recognize and um, we had the CEO in the room and all their top marketing and salespeople. And uh, I asked them right at the beginning of the workshop, I said, okay, what's your company mission? And I knew it because I'd looked it up. And um, one person raised their hand in the entire room and it was the CEO. No one else knew what the mission was. Hmm. I said, okay, so this is, this is part of your problem, right? If you have a sales group that's thinking this way and a marketing group that thinks that way and the CEO looks at the business this way, right? You now cannot deliver a consistent experience across mm -hmm. the entire company. So, so we get people to think about how they view the company and the mission. Well, that leads into your culture. Okay. If we say we're going to have a customer oriented mission, how does this play out in our culture? What do we believe? What do we, how do we act? How do we treat people? How do we compensate people? Which then kind of gets into what we call the operating system, 
which is how you essentially organize the processes within your company and how you set it up to deliver the promise of the mission, right? So you've got a mission, you've got a culture that you create, which is really based on your beliefs. And then you have an operating system, which is how you enable and empower the team you have to go deliver that. So we're going to start there, like looking at the organizational side, and then we're going to move into strategy and look at how you apply that strategy across your company and then how you measure success and how you're going to implement those strategies. And those get into marketing plans and sales plans and service and support plans and product development plans, whatever it is. That's essentially the, the, the sequence. Again, I don't think that's revolutionary or groundbreaking. I think it's starting at the beginning and trying to solve the real problem, which is the way you think is going to block you from growing your business. If you think incorrectly, the way you treat your people is going to impact your, your ability to deliver an experience. There's no company out there that treats their employees poorly or has employees that are unhappy that deliver a great experience. It doesn't, it's not, doesn't, not possible. So again, there's, there's, um, we really believe in going back to the beginning and kind of getting to the why of a business and why they're there and getting to think about that. And then it's very easy to start to transition that into, okay, well, that impacts your culture this way. Well, if you say this, then the way you're operating is not in, in alignment with that. Or you say this, but your marketing is really product focused, right? When you're talking about customer outcomes, but your marketing is really not lined there. Again, we want to have this kind of key concept understood across the business so that you can then align everything to that. But then, then we're going to create, again, we're going to work experience backwards. How do your customers view what you're doing? One of the things I'll do is I'll call my customers, right? I'll call their main the 800 number. I can learn a lot by looking at your website and calling your company, right? How do you treat me when I call? Do you send me into the voicemail kind of click one for this or two for that, I, which I despise? Or do I talk to a human being? Again, you tell me a lot about how you treat me when, when, how you think about your customers when you do that. If I go to your website, do I see a chat option? Can I connect with somebody via chat, which is kind of cool. I like to do that. Again, I'm going to be looking for all these things because the modern buyer looks for these things. Modern buyers want to have lots of ways to connect, lots of, con lots of content, lots of helpful stuff. And when they do talk to you, they want you to be responsive, know what the heck's going on and help them solve their problems. So that's, a, now that's kind of a general outline of the way we would look at solving the problem. And there's a lot of detail in there. Um, we do an assessment. If you go on our website, we have a free assessment that you can take that gives you a sense of where you stand in terms of these inbound organization ideas. And it'll point uh, to areas you might need to think about focusing on to improve. And we give it away for free. We don't even ask you for email address. I don't even ask for that. Just give it away. We just want it to be a helpful tool for people. And um, again, we'll, and that's the first step of our in terms of when we work with a client, we're going to do that assessment up front and understand where they are so that we can build a roadmap for helping them improve. Makes sense. So this divergence that you noticed between what the marketing may be doing well and then the customer experience, it's just so different. It's night and day with most companies, right? And I, I was a sales trainer, still am sometimes, but uh, it's not the focus of this business, right? But uh, I, I did that for... I don't know, about eight years. Um, I found that how a, we, would, we would do a lot of outbound interruptive um, prospecting, but in a nice way. <laughs> it, was a, it was very effective. Uh, but how a, a receptionist treated the prospector was an indicator of the culture of that business. And, and they would behave in a way that the higher-ups allowed. It's that simple, right? If the boss would allow that, 
okay, I don't want to talk to somebody who doesn't want to talk to me, right? So it was a great filter right away. Now, this company, Coldstar, is all about uh, mapping out processes of other companies, right? Mapping out your processes so that we get clarity. And we have uh, our North Star, our chief value is the truth in capital letters, right? So if you can imagine. And that, that guides just about every decision that we make. Is this going to help us uncover the truth? Or is it going to obfuscate something or not let us get at where we really need to go with the truth with the customer and that, right? And, and it's, it's a great principle. There's a great uh, video. Um, Brian Cantrell, who was uh, at Sun Microsystems ages ago and then uh, CTO at a company called Joyant, did a, did a wonderful talk on values and principles at uh, MonkFest 2017. You can go look that up on YouTube and it's about 40 minutes. It's hilarious, but it shows just how disconnected and bad companies are with their value systems overall. And he used Amazon as a, okay, but could use some tweaking. And then um, the, the Uber before they, you know, as they were getting into trouble, basically, right, with their, with their principles and that, as an, as an example of, like, some drunk college kid coming up with these values to bring in the morning of the exam kind of thing, you know, it's his homework or something. It was terrible. Um, so th these, are, these are kind of flashlights shining in on exactly how disconnected companies are from values most of the time and how talking with somebody like you is going to straighten that stuff out and guide your marketing, just like this, the truth guides our process engineering. Yeah, I, I love that. Uh, you're exactly right. The, um, uh, those, those issues, and oftentimes your sales process issues or your marketing lack of effectiveness are really symptoms. They're really not mm -hmm. the, they're not the key problem. There's a problem ahead of that. And again, like exactly like you said, if the, if the leadership allows certain behaviors to take place, then, then that's what you're going to get. And if you, if you manage to those behaviors, for example, hmm. if you say cold calling, right, you say, okay, I'm going to hire a third party firm and I'm going to have them make 120 calls a day. Well, guess what? I'm going to give you my customer list. This is what my car dealer does. Mm -hmm. That's why it's why I make, they make me mad. Right. They call me all the time and they say, Oh, sir, you know, we have a high demand for your model. We'd like to come in and give you a quote for and All they're doing is trying to churn me. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and they're just calling and calling and calling and calling. Right. That's annoying. That is not helpful. I am not saying that you shouldn't cold call or you shouldn't send people emails. You shouldn't reach out to people that are, that are targeted and, and people that you know, if, well, if you know them, or if they could even be people you don't know, but you just do it in a way that's helpful and that's human. That's not human. You're just treating me like a number. If I'm a, one of 120 calls, you don't care what I say. You don't care what I think. You don't right. care. I, I spent, I bought a car from you and you don't care. That's a leadership issue, right? If, if those people that run those dealerships, this is a, the one that I use is a big national uh, company that owns probably hundreds of dealers. So this is a corporate strategy and they clearly don't care about the people that buy cars from them. If they, if this is the process you're subjecting me to, you don't care. You don't care about my, how I feel. You don't care what I want. You don't care where I want to go. You don't care what my goals are. I'm willing to tell you, you just don't care. So that's to me, not the problem of the marketing person who's administering that program. That's a leadership issue that says, mm. you know what, we're just not going to treat our customers that way. Um, we're going to call them. I'm happy to talk to them, but you know what? Help me. Give me something beyond that. You're just trying to sell me. You're just trying to trick me into buying a new car. Don't do that. 
don't do that. Help me, help me keep this car running for the next 10 years. Cause I'm going to give it to my daughter when she graduates from college. Right. So she doesn't have to buy one and have a car payment. I have a specific goals, right? Help me do that. And uh, again, it goes back to the way you think and, and the way managers think. Because you can come in and you can pay for somebody to do a marketing campaign or do some sales training. But you know what? If that's the way the leadership thinks, nothing's going to change. Mm-hmm. It's Nobody's band-aid gonna... stuff. Exactly. Yeah. You, you may see some short-term results, but you're going to go right back to feeling that way or, or treating people that way. Right? If you incentivize your salespeople to say you have to do 50 touches a day and you have to hit this number in your CRM or you get all kind of red bells and whistles and alarms go off, well, guess what? then he's not that he or she's not going to spend an hour with one customer to really mm-hmm. solve a problem and deliver value because they know they got to get off the phone and call the next one because they got to check right. that box. Right. But if, you, if you compensate them that way, that's what they're going to do. So you know, these are the battles we're trying to fight and And they seem simple talking about being customer oriented. Every, everybody I've ever talked to as a potential client has always said, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We're customer oriented. Well, maybe not. Not so much. <laughs> maybe not. No. And I know from my own experience, companies have rarely written anything down. You know, most companies don't even have written processes. And so if you, and I've worked for multi-million dollar companies, you see, and, and, and who, who, who express themselves in this way. And it again, comes from on high. You call one sales desk and you get one salesperson and you have this experience, you call another one and you have a completely different experience. And what is the deal with that, right? That I get a good experience and a horrible experience at the same company in the same department. And that means that on high, right, the leadership is, is not saying, oh, we value the customer experience. Right there, it's, it's a huge indicator. And, and, and that's exactly what I'll tell potential clients. Look at how you're treated. Look at, look at the people you buy from and the brands you interact with. Are you generally happy with those interactions? Do you think they're very human are they are they focused on you or are they really trying to sell you something and i i think once you start to become aware of it you realize how many of the interactions from a sales perspective you have that are really poor and and i mean at best a lot are neutral mm-hmm. very few do you come away and you go wow i that person really had my best interest at heart and was really thinking about me and they really added a lot of value in this conversation those are fewer and far between than than we'd like yeah and i i'm just thinking about this right now I suspect a lot of these activities are driven from the KPI, the performance measure that they've chosen to use, and they probably really haven't thought that KPI through very well, like the number of touches a day. And they haven't thought about second order consequences and perverse incentives that they've accidentally built in. Well, if if they can connect the KPI to the customer's ultimate goals, that it's going to help impact your customer reach their goals, then you're probably onto something. But if your KPI is just measuring a step in your process to check the box, if it's not connected to some trigger or some issue or some, some metric that your customer is going to recognize, then you're probably making a mistake. Hmm. Customers don't want an, a regular cadence of just touching them just to say you touch them. Right. Send me some helpful information, right? Help me out. Um, you know, follow up, be, be, be fast, follow quickly. How about that? Right. How about, how about using that one? How about using speed to respond? Right. We all want our answer questions answered fast. And you know what, if I send you an email or I, I fill out a form on your website, I can do that 10 more times in a five minutes, 10 minutes, right. I can find tons of your competitors. So the first one that responds, whoever gets back to me fastest is going to have the best chance to win. Measure that. How fast do your salespeople get back to, uh, qualified leads. How fast does your marketing team respond to qualified leads, right? Um, how about customers? How about people that are already customers of yours? 
I'm constantly surprised at how poorly companies market and, and educate and, and help their customers in an ongoing way. They take them for granted, right? Keep helping them set up a reminder schedule instead of just sending a, re a reminder to go buy something new from you or to buy spare parts, right? Send them the, you know, send them the, Hey, it's been one year since you installed this equipment. Here's the 10 things you should be doing to make sure your preventive maintenance programs run accordingly the way it should. And you probably know those things. The service people do share it, use that as part of your marketing, right? And if you do that, and if you're helping and educating and making sure their goals are re being reached, then you earn the opportunity periodically to say, oh, you know what? Did you know we also sell this? Did you know we already, we also have that, right? You have an opportunity to continue to upsell and grow your business with them because you've earned the right to talk about adding more value. So again, I, most companies I deal with think about services reactive. Well, we wait until the phone rings and then we answer their questions. Well, how about being proactive? You know what they wanted. You know why they bought you. You better know why they bought your solution, what their goals are, the desired outcomes. How about being proactive and making sure that those goals are hit? Do that, right? So, again, we're this is again, it's about a mindset. It's about how you think about your business, and and companies are starting to move in this direction. A lot of apps and a lot of online companies understand this. And um, you mentioned Amazon before. I mean, we're we're all used to that kind of service and that kind of personalization. Mm -hmm. So you better be moving in that direction with whatever you're doing. And I don't care whether you make equipment, you sell a service, you do software. This is everybody. This is what everybody expects moving forward. Right. Yeah. Obsession with the customer was one of Amazon's principles. And <laughs> I remember Brian Cattrall saying, oh, that's a little scary. Maybe, maybe tone it back a little bit, but the idea is right. And it has led them into, uh, into making a lot of money. And, and that that was their commitment from the beginning, right? It wasn't just some, magic bullet that they pulled out part of the way along through their journey. So Todd, yeah, but, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I like obsessed with your customers is a little creepy, but mm -hmm. I, I, I would say you need to be, you need to be committed to understanding your customer, mm -hmm. not okay. just your product and that it's green and 14 inches long, you know, understand them so that when and here's how you can tell the difference. Your salespeople can reflect this. If your salespeople are able to walk into a prospect's office and talk to them about how they can improve their business, their outcomes, they understand their strategy, they understand their position in the marketplace, their competition, they understand as a business person where they fit and then how they can help them improve whatever area they're about to improve. If you can go in and have that conversation, you're talking peer to peer, business to business, then you're, all, you're, you're in the right ballpark, right? If your salespeople go in and their decks look like again, this glorified catalog. Well, here's what we do. This is all about us, right? Then you're, you're, you're missing it, right? That's one I look for. I look at as well. I, when I go in and look at a company and talk to them, I look at their sales team and ask them kind of how they present. What are the first sales calls look like? What kind of questions are they asking or answering, right? And if they're going in there asking, doing traditional discovery where they're trying to figure out what their issues are and what keeps them up at night. I mean, my goodness, if, if your salespeople ask that question, oh, do you want to be asked that question? Right. I mean, if you, it's you, overdone you, by about 10 years now. Yeah. If, you, if, you've, if you've given somebody the time to come into your office and sit down and talk to you, don't you think they should know what the heck they're there for? <laughs> so. Yeah. I'm going to say it depends on that one because there's a lot of people who I talk to who I, I've never worked in that industry before, for example, and, uh, and they were a referral. So it, it, can, it can happen. Um, I don't, I tend to do a lot of information interviews though. Like I did one on Friday where in 15 minutes, 
this lady who is far more familiar with the with this area in healthcare than I am told me what industry groups to join that they were in my town when they met like what part of the year how much it costs who I should talk to specifically and in that short time I learned way more than I would have trying to bump around on my own for probably six months or a year so true true but if you're targeting a, a, an audience and you want to mm -hmm. grow your business right you better understand, you understand them yeah before I you because otherwise agree. Otherwise, what you're going to fall back on is you have nothing else to talk about other than product and price. Mm -hmm. Right. So. And, and you can see this when CEOs uh, who are presenting or salespeople get stressed out. They fall back to the pattern and they start listing the, oh, well, yeah, but we're great at this and this and this. Huh? No one cares. <laughs> no one cares yet. Yep. It's, it's interesting. Again, I'll, I'll, I'll make the circle complete. I'll come back to mindset again. Um, I was fortunate enough this past spring to teach a class in uh, an intro to sales class at a school called Stetson University here in Central Florida. And um, we, we worked on the idea of kind of an elevator pitch or a brief way to communicate what you do. Right? And left to their own devices, if they're asked that question in a scenario, we'd give them a, uh, we'd give them a setup and they had to kind of pick a company or pick a product they wanted to sell. They all, without any training, they just went straight to, we make this mm. or we sell this, right? right? And just naturally, every single one of them went right to that. And what we taught them was that it's, it's different, right? It's you, if you're in that situation, situation with a classic elevator pitch, what you should, what you should flip it around and say, well, for this type of person or company, we solve this kind of problem. Mm -hmm. or we deliver these results to these kind of companies or these kind of people. Yeah. Oh, how do you do that? Well, we make this or we deliver this service, right? It's a very subtle change, but it makes all the difference, right? It's how you think. So. Yeah. Cold stars starts off and it took me a year to get to this point. Like it's not something that I just fell into from the beginning. Best customers we have and can help the most towards operational excellence, which we then have to define with them. But, uh, they're on a time-based mission. That's critical. They have a they have a compliance culture, so there's rules from outside enforced on them, and they have to want to be the best. That's the holy trinity. If they if they're in the middle of that, man, can we do something about operational excellence with them? And nice. if they're not, it's not as good. But it's about them. It's not about me, right? It's not about us. It's about them. I love so, it. What I are some it. triggers? We can finish up here with uh, what are some triggers that somebody listening would you know indicate to them that they'd be a fit that they should be coming to talk to you well i th i think the big thing is is if you feel like you're kind of missing it right if you feel like there's some disconnects you know our marketing isn't working quite as well as we think it should our salespeople mm -hmm. were not hitting the numbers maybe we're losing some clients uh, you know, we're churning clients too fast um, or, or they just get this sense that, you know what, people aren't finding us online or they're not, they're not connecting with us the way we want. Um, you know, those are kind of the typical problems we solve. Um, we would hear, um, you know, we would hear things like, um, you know, we're not happy with our marketing agency. Really. We're not getting any return. We can't generate an ROI and, and, um, you know, or, or our competitors are killing us online, right? I mean, th those are typically the things that we, we hear. And um, it, it usually starts with some inkling that we're missing something, right? Or that we're not quite, you know, we don't have the expertise in-house to understand how to solve this problem or we're stuck. And I get a lot of that, right? Hey, we're just kind of stuck. Um, and then we come in and figure out how to get them unstuck. Hmm. So 
and again, we're looking at the entire company and the entire process. And, um, um, you know, there's, we, we've done lots of marketing campaigns, but we're not the guys that come in and say, okay, you know, write a bunch of blog posts for us and kind of redesign our website. Those are things you might want to do, but that's not, that's a tactic, right? We're going to be at the higher level trying to figure out strategically how to position your business to be successful and to grow with the buyers you want to grow with. Right. Yeah. And you need to get the right people in the room to talk with. And if you're, it's this, you talked about it earlier. If your response to that, gee, we're stuck is to go out and hire a YouTube marketer or to buy somebody's list or rent a list or something. How do you even know you're targeting the right people? You're, you're not even getting in front of the right people with doing that. It's, it'd be accidental if it worked out for you. Exactly. And another one we hear a lot is, oh, well, we, we want to grow, so we're going to go hire some more salespeople. That's another one where it's like, well, okay. just, just throwing, you're just throwing things at the problem, right? right. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that uh, it, a lot of it will start with um, in, in, in the marketing or sales department where there's a recognition of a problem. And then um, we'll work with CEOs and C-level leaders to understand how to put all the pieces together so that they can grow. And, and it doesn't necessarily mean that it's, it's always a new marketing campaign. You have to spend a bunch of money on paid ads. It's, it's oftentimes the same amount of resources or even less resources just focused and Mm -hmm. properly applied to really understanding how customers want to be treated today. Right. Yep. Converting or doing better with the leads you're already generating. Absolutely. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of traffic generator people out there. There's not many conversion experts. And it sounds like you're one. I will definitely claim that as well for myself. But, uh, and as I mentioned too, is it's looking at how to talk to your existing customers at a higher level that brings you a bigger yeah. opportunity to grow, right? There's a, right. there's, I've, I've not come into a company ever who I, I couldn't help them improve that part of the process. Mm-hmm there's always issues there or lack of resources. I mean, if companies want to grow, usually they say, Hey, let's go get a bunch of new customers. Let's get net new customers, which are the most expensive and the, and the most time consuming to get. So, yeah. Cost of customer acquisition and levels of awareness, which I've wanted to mention before uh, in, in this talk, but uh, forgot about as we moved on to the next topic, but yeah, you could be talking, talking at this level of awareness and you could help them come up to, uh, a much higher level of awareness for that target customer where instead of talking about the plotting low level features, like, like it could be anything. It could be a Mossberg shotgun or something or a, or a special flashlight or something. It's not about the thing. Right. Well, everybody understands a flashlight or a shotgun. Great. Tell me a freaking story about how you used one of those things to save your family in an emergency. Now we got something, right? And describe that family and their location where they live, right? I like it. The flashlight. How do you how do you tell an interesting story about a flashlight, right? I can buy a flashlight anywhere, right? I don't if I just want a cheap flashlight, okay, great. I'll buy the cheapest one. But yeah. if you've got a fifty dollar flashlight, you better be telling a story. That's right. And and it's I'll share this with our listeners. It's my style, how I view myself to buy the $50 flashlight. In fact, that seems kind of cheap to me, right? I'm going to go for the maglite. I'm going to go for something that's heavy duty, durable, has two functions because I can brain somebody with it if I have to, right? That stuff all matters to me. And I want it to be there and be working a year from now or two years from now when I haven't even thought about it in a while and I go, Oh, there's a power outage. I got to get this thing. Right. And, and use it. 
And Jason, I'll tell one more quick story about my class. This is another thing I learned in, in this class is that when we talked about a product and I would get, I'd literally would put a product in front of them mm-hmm. and say, okay, what are the features of this product and what are the benefits? And they could usually figure those things out pretty quickly. And then I would say, okay, what's the benefit of the benefit? And they would look at me like, what did you just say? The benefit of the benefit. I said, well, that's, what's the outcome, right? What's the ultimate, again, there was very hard for them to, think of that on their own. They had to be trained to think mm-hmm. that way. And that was really insightful to me when, you know, when I was teaching kind of fresh minds who weren't clouded by years of experience and, right. and bias. They were just coming, to, coming at it clean and saying, I'm, I want to learn how to sell. And, and I, just, I realized that, that that idea of understanding what the underlying real value is, mm. is not an intuitive thing for most people to think about, right? That you gravitate to the features and the benefits or the product features and the product specifications. If you're an engineer, you're a specification guy, right? Or, or a lady. Um, if you're a, a marketer, a lot of times you get to features, right? But really getting to that value is, uh, is the hard part. Okay. I got to ask you before we go, what's the deal with the microscope? on the bookshelf back there. At least I'm assuming that's what it is. I'm a chemist. That's, that's, a, my, okay. that's my degree. So okay. uh, I, I have a microscope. I, I, right. haven't, I haven't done chemistry for a long time, but. <laughs> is it an awesome microscope? It's, um, no, it's not okay. awesome. Okay. Not awesome. It's okay. It looks cool. I see. And that's why it's not out on a shelf or a bench being used, right? <laughs> but it I got to work on my background a little bit, Jason. I, think. I like it. I like it. It was interesting. <laughs> it's one of the first things I picked out that said something. I thought it was either from a, from a customer, right, or client, uh, or it had something to do with your background. Well, that's awesome. Todd, what should someone who wants to find out more about your business top line results do? Well, I think two things, check out our website, top-line-results.com or uh, check out, check me out on LinkedIn, connect. I love to connect with people on LinkedIn. I don't LinkedIn. I don't like the spammy ones, right? Give me 15 minutes of your time. Ugh. If you're going to sell me something, I'm going to know right away, right? But I love to connect. I love to answer questions. I love to post things people share with me on LinkedIn. Just my name, you'll find me, easy to find. Love to connect with people on LinkedIn. Talk about manufacturing, growing a business. Challenge me on something. Ask me a question that you heard today. I'd love to love to talk about it. Great. My guest today has been Todd Hockenberry, owner of Top Line Results. Check him out on LinkedIn or on his website. Thanks for being here.